0: I want to ask you a question. Who's ever had a near-death experience, all right? And I'm talking about one of those experiences where you, 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 you have a brush with the complete unknown. You're not sure where it's going to go. It could have been your own fault. Uh, some of you guys, you know us men, we're not as brilliant in our younger years, right? Uh, Some of us women, you know as well, but who's ever had a brush with death? Um, I I have a number of those experiences in my life, and and many of them are self-inflicted. However, today I'm going to choose just one, and this is in honor of the rest of Canada that is still covered in snow. Winnipeg, I grew up in Winnipeg, Manitoba. I learned to drive in Winnipeg. And so it has what's called a perimeter highway. It's called the perimeter highway. It goes all the way around Winnipeg, outside of the kind of the city line. And it's a lot of farmland, a lot of just pasture, open fields. But it's two lanes. And it's two lanes and it's divided by a big ditch. And so I'm out there and I'm driving. It's winter. It's probably my second season driving. And there's a huge semi-truck in front of me in the right lane. And as you do as a young person, you don't want to go, you want to go a little faster than the semis going, right? And so I decided to make a lane change and to pass this semi. Now here's the problem though, in winter on the prairies, the snow is not like our snow. The snow is like dry almost. It blows with the wind. And so what happens on the perimeter highway, it blows with the wind and it drifts across the right lane and begins to build up in the left lane just before the ditch. And so every once in a while, if you catch it just right, you'll hit these snow drifts on the road. And then the second thing is when these semis are driving, because the snow is not wet and sticking to the ground, these semis, they kick all this snow up in the air. And so when you make a pass, past a semi truck, you're blind for about 70% of the pass. Until you get to just 45 degrees from the cab of that truck, you can't see squat. And so you just hope it's a straightaway, and you hit the accelerator, and you just go in faith. Amen? Well, what happened was I hit the accelerator, and I just went. And about halfway, I was right beside the trailer. I felt the car just nail a snowdrift. And my life flashed before my eyes. It was short, but it flashed. And fortunately, I got sucked to the left as opposed to sucked to the right. And in that moment, I had a brush with death. Uh, My heart was beating. My adrenaline was surging through my body. By the time I got home, it was already late at night. I couldn't sleep for about a couple hours because I was just so jacked up. Having this brush with death. Do you remember your brush with death? What does it look like? It's going to help us today if we think of what James is telling us through those kinds of experiences in our lives. It's going to help us to process and filter what James is talking about. What's your near-death experience? For some of you, it's being an idiot like me. For for some of you, perhaps it was sickness. It was completely out of your control. What, what was your near-death experience? And let's use that as a filter to filter today's content. Let's turn together in our Bibles to James chapter 4, verses 1 thir- verse 13. James chapter 4. And if you're visiting with us, we don't put scripture on the screen. Uh, we believe that it's great to have your own Bible with you. So you can mark it up, you can take notes, you can highlight, you can underline, you can kind of be in it. Be in your Bible. If you're going digital, you are totally allowed to pull your phone out right now and pull out your Bible on your phone. If you don't have a Bible on your phone and you need one, Uversion great app. You can find it in any of the app stores. Or if we can get you a Bible, we would love to give you a Bible so you can follow along with us. But let's turn to James chapter 4, starting 13. Come now. All such boasting is evil. So whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it, for him it is sin. If you're taking notes, write this down. You are not promised tomorrow. You are not promised tomorrow. So what will you do with today? You are not promised tomorrow. So what will you do with today? This is such an important question to keep in mind because it begins to shape so much of how we live our lives. So let's dig into what James is saying here. Come now, you who say tomorrow, today or tomorrow, we will go into such and such a town and spend a year there and trade and make profit. Yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? For you are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes James, I want to get this out right off the top because there's there's a contingent of you right now that you've kind of just shut yourselves down, okay? You've stopped listening, and here's why. Because you're planners. So you're hearing this, and then you're you're just shutting it down because your personality, you like to know what's coming ahead. You like to plan. Here, can I put you at ease? James is not anti-planning, He's not anti-planning. So for those of you that are avid planners, you can kind of just let out a sigh of relief. You can re-engage now. What James is saying is this. When we make plans without God as a part of them, without consulting God, or with eternity in mind, when we make plans without eternity in mind, we are walking in a form of pride. So James reminds us that we are but a vapor. According to James, this is what we represent. Everybody, everybody can see? You ready? This is your life. This is your life. Did you guys see that? How long did that last? Not, not very long. Okay, center section, this is your life right here. You ready? This is James. This isn't me. This is James. He's saying you are... But a vapor, there one minute, gone the next. This is your life. Right section, left section, whatever you guys want to be, that's your life right there. There one minute and gone the next. And James is giving us a perspective that we're so desperately in need of. Earlier this week, I was part of a a funeral, and Lisa and I, I, we arrived early to the graveside. And we took a little stroll around and just looked at some of the grave markers. Who's ever done that? You've gone to a cemetery. You just kind of looked around and just looked at the headstones and and looked at the dates. And you know what? It's funny because you'll often look at someone, and you'll kind of do the math, right? Born, deceased, and you do the math, and you go, oh, that was... That was a good life. That was 80 plus years. That was 90 plus years. And then every once in a while, you'll catch one that's over 100. And you don't really think a whole lot of it. You think that, good, good for them. But then every once in a while, you're walking those rows and you see a grave marker where those dates and you do the math and it's short. Or you walk among those gravestones and you do the math and you realize it was a child. And you're reminded in those moments of your mortality. You're reminded in those moments that you're not guaranteed tomorrow. Most people don't wake up on the day of their death thinking to themselves, today is the day that I die. And James tells us, don't take for granted the days that you have. He goes on to say in verse 15, instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will live And do this or that. As it is, you boast in your arrogance. All such boasting is evil. Matthew Henry, he puts it this way. There is a life that will continue in the other world. And since this life is so uncertain, it concerns us all to prepare and lay up in store for that to come. I'm going to read that one more time. There is a life that will continue in the other world. And since this life is so uncertain, since we are just a mist in light of eternity, it concerns us all to prepare and lay up in store for that to come. When you make plans, write them down in pencil. Submit them to God and be flexible. Because God is going to inevitably shift your journey. Planners, it's okay to make plans, but write them down in pencil. Invite God into the process. Because there's going to come a time when you have to lay down your plans and pick up your cross and follow. There's going to come a time when your idea of your best for your life is going to come in stark contrast with what God is saying is your, his best for your life. And you're going to see in that moment whether or not you trust him. Whether or not you trust that his plans are bigger and greater than our plans. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. I think of Paul who had to be flexible with his plans. This is found in Acts 16, 68. And here's the deal. Paul and Silas, this is the story of Paul and Silas. Keep in mind, they are going with a passion to preach the gospel. Okay? This isn't selfish plans. This is Paul and Silas going, we need to go preach the gospel to everyone that we can. All right? Verse 6 of Acts 16. Next, Paul and Silas traveled through the area of Thygira and Galatia because the Holy Spirit had prevented them from preaching the word in the province of Asia at that time. When coming to the borders of Mysia, they headed north for the province of Bithynia. They again, the spirit of Jesus, did not allow them to go there. So instead they went on through Mysia to the seaport of Troas. Paul and Silas, part of their plan was to go to the provinces of Asia and preach the gospel. Preach the kingdom of God. And yet the Holy Spirit stopped them twice. Their plans were well-intentioned. Their plans were kingdom-minded. And yet God knew best the plans that he had set for Paul and for Silas in that season of their lives. For all intents and purposes... Paul and Silas had a plan but the Holy Spirit had other plans for them. Proverbs 16:3 says this, "Commit your work to the Lord, and the plans and your plans will be established." It's okay to have plans. It's not wrong to think ahead and be strategic, but it becomes an issue of arrogance when we do so apart from including God in the conversation. Here's an interesting fact. God knows the time, the place, and circumstances of your death. Did you know that? God knows the time, the place, and the circumstances of your death. The end of your season here on earth. It's not a surprise to him. It's not going to surprise him. So wouldn't it stand a reason that in order to live this life to its fullest potential that we would submit ourselves to the plans of the one who knows our days? We come back to the opening statement. You're not promised tomorrow. So what will you do with today? Well, if I have someone that has a greater perspective of my life, that knows my days, that knows the circumstances, the, the time of my death, wouldn't it stand a reason that including him in that conversation of how I can be most effective and live to my fullest potential today would include him in that conversation? Because there's something that changes in our priorities when our days become numbered. We don't like to think about it. But there's something that changes. Let me ask you one of the most classic questions. What if I knew for a fact that this time tomorrow, what time is it? It is 11 o'clock. This time tomorrow, you're going to die. What if I could tell you that without a shadow of a doubt? would that change what you do when you leave this place today? I want you to think about that. What would you do? Like me, I'm, I'm, I'm looking outside, out of the side of my peripheral here, and I'm thinking, there's going to be nothing better than a belly full of soup and some time on my Motorcycle this afternoon. But you know what? If I knew 11 o'clock tomorrow, this was it for me? Yeah. No. I'd be spending it with my family. I'd be spending it telling my kids everything that I wish I had told them. I would spend it telling my wife how much I love her and not taking for granted that she knows already. I would live life significantly different. You're not promised tomorrow. So what will you do with today? How does that change and shift your priorities There's something about our priorities that change when we think of life in light of death. James tells us, don't be arrogant, but rather commit your work to the Lord, the one who in the day to day can help you prioritize your living so that your eternity can be full of God's best for you and that those that you impact can be there with you. If the Lord wills, we will do this, that, and the other thing. If the Lord wills. Verse 17. So whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it, for him it is sin. James is summing up this thought with some language that speaks to the sin of omission. The sin of omission is this. Knowing what is right but not doing it. Uh, The Christian faith over the years has been so caught up in in what not to do, haven't we? We've been so caught up in what not to do, and and I think it's because what not to do is so visual. We can see what not to do when people do it. It's so apparent. It's so out there. But the sin of omission is so much sneakier. And I think it's important that the church kind of sheds this PR that we've given to the world. That we're an organization. That we're a body. That we're people who are against stuff. Wouldn't it be great if the church could be known for what we're for? But it takes people living in the right actions, not just knowing what is right, but then doing it. Not just knowing that we should make God a part of our plans for the future and for tomorrow and for today, but actually getting on our knees and spending time in the presence of Jesus. Not just knowing that we should love our neighbor as ourself. But actually loving our neighbor. The sin of omission is such a quiet thing. Because so often... It has to do what the Spirit is kind of leading us to. What the Spirit of God is stirring us in. And we don't have to tell anybody else. We can keep that secret. We can keep that quiet. We we can keep that dream that he's planted in you quiet and not tell anybody. And hopefully if enough time passes away, that thing will die because it's scaring the poop out of us. Right? The sin of omission. The sin of, of not taking the proper actions when the Spirit of God is stirring it in us. Here's the question that James is leading us to. In your planning, do you include God? Or do you just speak of going to this place or that place and making a profit? In your planning, what are you planning for? Are you planning for the here and now or are you planning for eternity? What are you planning for? What, what, what is the priority on your planning list? Many of us, we, we plan for our retirement. Right? Right? We spend a lifetime putting aside investments and RSPs and and pension payments. We think about our standard of living during those those golden years. How many of us think about the mission that God is going to call us on when we don't have work as such a big part of our calendar? How many of us in our 30s, and I'm not talking to you, those that are retired, I'm talking to those of you that are planning one day to retire, Lord willing. Do you have a mission for your golden years? What is God leading you to? Or are we just setting up our comfort? Or those of you going to school in high school, You're planning, you know, the courses and the electives you're taking because you're thinking post-secondary. Because in as early as grade 7 and then grade 9, they're making you plan your whole future. That blows my mind. I'm sorry. Young person, if if you're about to graduate and you don't have a perfect plan for your future, welcome to the rest of us. Okay? Welcome to the rest of us. But here's the deal, we plan and we're, we're taking all these different courses and we're trying to upgrade our courses and upgrade our marks because we have this plan. Listen, young person, take a moment to breathe, to enjoy life and ask God to give you a profound vision for your life. Ask God to give you a mission that is bigger than yourself and he will do it. And it does not mean he's going to make you a missionary you've got to take off to another country. It does not mean you have to become a pastor. It does not mean. It means when you step into your education and post-secondary, when you step into your new career, Lord willing, you keep in mind that your first vocation is as a priest in the kingdom of God. And your second vocation is what you do. Your first is being a priest in the kingdom of God. Have you taken time to ask God about your future? Do you sense him leading and guiding you in your present day? The sin of omission is one that is not obvious on the outside looking in. It is, however, so apparent on the inside looking out. I want to tell you a story, and I I may have shared this before. Forgive me if I have. But when I was in high school, God was profoundly giving me a vision for my future. And I was, with everything I have, fighting against it. Because I had some major trust issues. I didn't trust that God had my best in mind. I didn't trust him enough, and so I wrestled hard. I lived in a season of omission in my life where I knew he was leading me to something, and I just, I fought it tooth and nail. But God wrestled me to the ground, as he always does. Listen, young person, if you're here, can I just say, save yourself some painful seasons of life. And when you feel that like God is speaking to you about something, take some time with it. Chew it. Invite people that you trust into that conversation as well. Invite your parents into that conversation. Invite those that you respect in the church. Invite your pastor, whatever. Invite others into that conversation. Because when we make God's plan a part of our plan, it creates a tension in us that's not worth it. Because we're always going to be fighting our plan, his plan, our plan, his plan. There comes a moment, there comes a time where we go, God, what is your plan for my life? Period. What are you doing in me? Period. I will take up my cross and follow you. Period. Not and or, not either or. I will pick up my cross and follow you. Younger retirees. And when I say younger retirees, that is, that is completely up to you to define because I won't do it. What is God's plan for this season of your life? What is the mission that he has you on? What is he calling you to? What is he birthing in you? Because I can tell you as, I guess what am I? I'm 35, so I'm technically a millennial, by the way. Feels good. I'm a millennial. We're, we're desperate. We're desperate to have spiritual fathers and spiritual mothers in our lives. You look around this room. You see young parents that are just struggling through. You remember that season when you thought, oh, this is never going to end. I remember when my life goal was to get out of diapers. I was, like, I was like, Lord Jesus, if I could just get out of a season of diapers, I'll be the happiest man alive. You know, Proverbs says that your, your gray hair is a crown of wisdom. It's a crown of glory. You have something to contribute to the next generation. And young moms and dads, Youth, young adults, guess what? You have something to learn from these guys. And if you'll position your heart in such a way that you're willing to receive wisdom, it'll take care of a whole lot of pitfalls that you don't have to step into during your lifetime. What are your plans, church? You're not promised tomorrow. You're not promised tomorrow. I had a college professor, he'd say it all the time. I don't know why he picked this, but he's like, you can walk out these doors and a beer truck hits you and you're dead. I don't know why I always picked a beer truck, it was weird. I didn't know there were that many beer trucks out on the road. But you're not promised tomorrow. So what will you do with today? What is God asking you to do with today? What is the spirit of God stirring in you for today? In light of your death, how have your priorities changed? In light of this, what are you going to do differently? It's not vinegar, by the way. What are you going to do differently? Because here's how life works, friends. We get caught up in our routines Our routines are based on a brain that just wants to make as many shortcuts as it can. That's how the brain functions. It wants to step into life and it wants to take everything and make it a shortcut to your subconscious so you don't have to think about it consciously so you can save that space for other things. But after time, we just, we just live life. We just get up. We brush our teeth. We make our coffee. We read our devotional from U-Version, Feeling guilty that we're like three days behind. We go to work. We come home, we eat supper. We maybe have a half hour with the kids. Then we go to sleep and then we just hit repeat. And if we're not careful, one day, We come to the end of our life and we realize we wasted so much of it. One day we have a near-death experience and all of a sudden we realize what the true priorities of our life are and that we have not focused on them. Friends, you're not promised tomorrow. So what will you do with today? Let's pray. Holy Spirit, Scripture says that you are the one who leads and you guide us in truth. Lord, you lead us and guide us in the truth of your word. But Lord, you also lead us and guide us in the truth of our lives. Lord, not, not in general, but very specific. Lord, you know our days, you have counted our days. You know the moment, the time, and the circumstances of our death. But, Lord, we thank you that in Christ Jesus, we can say this world is not our home. But, Lord Jesus, you have gone ahead to prepare a place for us. So help us. Help us, Lord, into the here and now to think of our lives in light of eternity. Lord, some of those dreams and those passions that you're stirring up in us, help us, Lord, to have the courage to begin to say yes to them. Help us, Lord God, to have the courage to begin to step out in faith and see that you are with us every step of the way. Help us, Lord God, to reprioritize our living in the day-to-day. Lord, we don't want to walk as default, but we want to walk, Lord God, in that which you have set for us, the assignments that you've placed in front of us. Help us be a blessing. Help us to be the one bringing words of encouragement Help us be the one that steps into every area of our life with a mission that is eternal, a mission that is bigger than ourselves. And as we do, Lord, may we find fulfillment. May we find that life is found in following your plan for our lives. The fulfillment that we're all so desperate for, is found when we say yes to you. Give us grace. In Jesus' name.